0: As you're turning to Matthew 24, let me explain why I feel led in in my spirit by the Lord to teach this. Number one, to make sure you're born again. We want everyone to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Number two, we want to make sure that you're not lukewarm. Because the rapture is not the judgment of God yet on the world. The rapture is the judgment of God on the church. And there's going to be a lot of them that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in thy name? And didn't we do this in your name? And the Lord's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Okay, just going to church or just saying I believe in Jesus does not qualify us for the rapture. You, there are five wise virgins and there are five foolish virgins. All ten were virgins. But five of them, half of them, let their oil run out. They let their light go out. So number one, we want to make sure that you're a virgin. You're born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. Number two, we want to make sure that you're on fire. Listen to me. I'm going to be real honest with you. If you're only making church once every four weeks, I doubt very seriously if that constitutes loving God with all your heart. Say, well, pastor, I like to hear that in church. It's better to hear it now than on the news 10 minutes after the rapture. So number one, make sure you're saved. Number two, make sure you're serving the Lord. Serving him. Serving him. Number three, and this is what really excites me, is in these last days there is going to be a phenomenal outpouring of of the anointing and the Spirit and the finances of God. Make sure the devil doesn't distract you. You want to get in on this last end time anointing, which I really believe is, is already coming on us. Now read with me in Matthew chapter 24, and I won't get into this a whole lot, but a lot of people when they're reading the Bible are a little confused between the rapture and the second coming. And the reason why it's a little confusing is because when the Lord is teaching about it, he doesn't always teach about it in order. In other words, there should be the first coming, then the church period, then the rapture, then seven years of tribulation, and then the second coming. But a lot of people, because it's not in chronological order, a lot of people confuse the second coming with the rapture. The rapture is a different event than the second coming that happened seven years before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Lord comes to rule and reign. So read with me just briefly in Matthew chapter 24 starting with verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Surely I say unto you, not one stone shall be left. Upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Now, look at me a second. I don't want to get in this too much, but they just asked Jesus three different questions. They didn't ask him one. He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem that happens during the second temple period. And so they said to him, after he's talking about this, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming? When will the temple be destroyed? And then after it's destroyed, we know you're going to go away. When will, what will be the sign of your coming? And question number three, what will be the end of the world? What will be the end of it? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, as I read this, look at me one second. As I read this, this is not what happens before the rapture. Okay? We'll see a little bit of this before the rapture. This is what is happening worldwide after the rapture. Now, we see wars and rumors of wars and all these things, and we understand that this is the birth tanks preparing for the, the, the second coming of the Lord and, and preparing for the rapture. But after the rapture takes place, there will be no goodness left on earth. Right now, there is the Holy Spirit is here because we are here. But when when the church, when the children of God are gone, all goodness, every anointing, every spiritual power that keeps people from murdering and keeps people from stealing and keeps people from hating you because you're a different color or, 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 or breaks into your house or, and, or whatever it can, everything that holds that at bay will be gone and it'll literally become hell on earth. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why you want to serve God now. Amen. Now look at this. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now we're seeing a little bit of that. That's the birth pangs. And there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. When this happens, there will be famine everywhere. There will be earthquakes everywhere. There will be wars everywhere. All these are the beginnings of sorrow. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because of lawlessness uh, because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now watch this. There, therefore when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet uh, Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place whoever reads let him understand and then let those who are in, the, in Judea flee to the mountains let him who is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe unto those who are pregnant woe unto those who are nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in the winter on the Sabbath for there will be great tribulation such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be and unless those days would be shortened no flesh would be saved for the elect's sake those days will be shortened then if anyone says to to you look here is the christ or there don't believe it for false christ false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive if possible even the very elect see i have told you beforehand now let me stop right there what's going on here They asked Jesus, they said, number one, when is Jerusalem going to be destroyed? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming back? And what, number three, what will be the end of the world as we know it? He is answering mostly the last question first. Now here's what happens. Jesus comes and gives his life for the world. Many receive him, many reject him. In a given a point of time, when is that given appointed of time? The next verse in that chapter says, when you see the fig tree bloom, know this, the end is soon. And understand this, when Israel, when the fig tree blooms, when Israel becomes a nation once again, impossible, but God said it would happen. When this happens, that generation will not pass away till they see the coming of the Lord. Israel became a nation in 1948. We are the last generation. We are either going to be the generation that walks away from the Lord or we will be the generation that is the fulfillment of prophecy that will have an end time outpouring of his spirit where signs and wonders will will happen and all the world will know because of the miracle anointing of God that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Can I have an amen? Amen. After that time, as a thief in the night, during this last generation in our lifetime the bible says that the rapture will take place the great catching up to be with the lord in the air this is not the second coming the rapture is god coming and looking at the church and reaching into the church not that aren't not those that are perfect because there's none of us that are perfect but looking at us who are born again who have received Jesus as Savior and are keeping our lamp lit, saying, I, 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 I want to prosper, I want to be used, I want to build a business, I want to have a family, I want all these things. But number one, I need to let the world know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and by no other name can a man be saved. And in that, we are keeping our lamp lit and not becoming lukewarm. When this rapture comes, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment of a second, we will be here and then gone. The Bible says two will be in bed. One will stay and one will go. Two will be working in their job. One will stay, one will go. Why does that happen? Because the rapture is God coming in and reaching into his people, and when it begins the rain, God got Noah and his family into the ark now there are there are three schools of thought on the rapture number one is pre-tribulation that when these things begin to happen look up your redemption draws nigh number two is mid-tribulation we go through three and a half years of tribulation number three is we go through all seven years now if you want to stay you can stay but as soon as it's starting to rain and honey the clouds are forming now we need to get ready and get in the ark Noah and his family didn't tread water. They got in the ark and they were taken out of the problem. Can I have an amen? amen. After seven years, or after after the rapture takes place, there will be what's called in the Bible seven years of tribulation. But not all seven years will be bad. The, at, immediately when the rapture takes place, there will be chaos throughout the world. There will be financial chaos, there will be military chaos, there will be religious chaos. Because a lot of false prophets and a lot of false Christs will rise up. But because of the chaos, people will be looking for a Messiah. They'll be looking for someone who can bring peace to the Middle East. After it goes crazy for three and a half years, a false religious leader will prophesy over a false political leader, and this false political leader will be seen as the Messiah. After three and a half years, he'll bring peace and harmony. The gas prices will come down. But after three and a half years of everybody looking at him to be the Messiah, they have forgotten something. That when God rebuilds the tabernacle of David, he first has to rebuild the spiritual side before he can build the political or the kingship side. Can I have an amen? amen? This man will be seen as the Messiah, and they will set him up on the Temple Mount. He will bring peace between the Muslims, the Christians, the Jews, and the religious Uh, 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 Order of the world But after they set him up On the temple mound They will realize that he is not the Messiah He is Satan And once they have put him On the throne Satan will then release His power as never Before as it's never Been seen and never will be Seen again on the earth And if God didn't shorten the days, Satan would wipe Everybody out First, he says, I want you to understand, I'm the Messiah. Second, he says, I want you to understand, I'm going to give you signs. This will get you ready so you don't have to go through it. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, hear what God is saying to the church. Second he said there's going to come a rapture You won't see it coming It'll be in a millimeter of a moment You'll be there and then you'll be gone Then there'll be seven years of tribulation After seven years Then the clouds will part And the Messiah will come back But this time he won't come back As a savior This time he comes back as a king And he will set and rule forever and ever and ever Can I have an amen Okay so this is what Jesus is talking about And this is what the world was looking for when Jesus came the first time. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, and I want to show you that the world was thinking on Jesus' first coming exactly the way they're thinking in his second coming. If you were to ask Americans, what are you looking for? They would say we're looking for someone who, to protect us from our enemies. They would say we're looking for someone to bring the gas prices down. They would say we're looking for someone to cause the economy to get stable. They would say we're looking for someone that will cause the jobs to flourish. And there's nothing wrong with that. But understand, before he comes as the king of kings, he first comes as the lord of lords. Before we get the physical benefits, we need the spiritual connection. And that only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loosen them, And bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you and shall say the Lord has need of them, immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you, lowly sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And very great multitudes spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, our salvation to the, from the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he'd come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Now I want you to notice, first they're crying out, Our salvation has come. And then they're saying, but who is it? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, not the Savior, not the Messiah. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now I want to explain to you what's going on in this day. Many of you know this. But on this day, the reason why they cut down branches and they're waving palms and they're lining the roads is this is the week right before Passover. This is when Israel is waiting for the high priest to bring them from the desert an unblemished lamb that will be sacrificed in the temple and this unblemished lamb will wash away the sins of Israel for this year. That's why the Bible says as they're waiting for A lamb they see Jesus come riding in and they realize he was the lamb and in about six days He would become their lamb now look at me real close They're waiting for a lamb as they're waiting for the high priest to bring in the unblemished lamb of God for Passover Here comes Jesus riding in on a donkey. And by the Spirit of God, they recognize we've been waiting for a lamb. But here comes this man from Nazareth whose name is Jesus. We've been waiting for a lamb, but Jesus is the lamb. But I want you to notice something that most people don't catch here. Even though they begin to shout out Hosanna, which means salvation. Salvation has come to us. Even as they begin to cry out, the son of David, which was a fulfillment of prophecy, they were confused when they saw Jesus. Now, why were they confused? Israel, for thousands of years, have been waiting for a Messiah. They see Jesus come riding in. They feel quickening in their spirit. No man calls Jesus Lord except the Spirit tells him. But when they see Jesus come riding in, they're confused because they're waiting for a Messiah who will be their king. Instead, Jesus comes in and a king would come riding in on a white stallion. But instead of Jesus come riding in on a white stallion, they see him come riding in on a lowly donkey. A king rides a horse, but a servant rides a donkey. Now, watch this. We got to go back a little bit in history. I'll read to you in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5. Let me read it to you. It says, The elders, all the elders of Israel came to Samuel, the high priest, the prophet, at Raha, and said to Samuel, Make us a king. Now, listen to this. Make us a king to judge us and rule us like all the nations, like the Gentiles. Samuel became displeased because they said to him give us a king So he prayed unto the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you for they have not rejected you But they have rejected me That I should not reign over them anymore Now this was the beginning of the curse that came on Israel they didn't need a king they had a king who was almighty God but they saw the Gentiles who didn't serve God but had a king and this king would provide for them and this king would fight for them and this king would protect them and so they came to the prophet and they said we want a king Just like the Gentiles in other words, we don't want to live by faith anymore We don't want to trust God to fight our enemies. We don't want to trust God to protect us We don't want to trust God to bring us prosperity the Gentiles have kings give us a king too And God says they have rejected me from reigning over them So God gives Israel a king first. He gives him Saul then he gives him King David in the kingdom of Israel in order to have a temporary covering of God, the kingdom in Israel always had to have not one member, but two. Now remember, everything God does, He does physically and spiritually. So in every time since they rejected God from being their provider, they rejected God from being their victory, they rejected God from being their covering, they wanted a man to do it, they would have a king who would sit on the throne and they would have a priest or a prophet who would minister to God for them. Now, watch this. In 2 Samuel, after Saul, after David, and then going into Samuel, uh, uh, Solomon, in 2 Samuel 7, God makes a covenant with David. And he says, David, your seed will be the heir to the throne forever. So now they've rejected God, they're trusting in man, God gives them Saul, God gives them King David, God gives them King Solomon, but something happens that looks good, but it's really not good. Through Solomon, he began to bring tremendous prosperity and tremendous peace on all the people. Now that looks like a good thing. But what happened was, is because through a earthly king, they began to experience temporary prosperity, temporary peace. They forgot about God and began to trust in man to be their provider, to be their victory, to be their covering. And when this happened, the kingdom of Israel split into Israel and Judah, And a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And because they began to trust in men to meet their need and not God, it opened the door for the enemy and the Babylonian Empire took them captive and pulled them out of Israel and made them slaves. Now watch this. During this time, first you had Saul, then you had David, then you had King Solomon, During this time, these were good kings, but the further the kingdom got away from God, America needs to remember this. America is a great country because we founded this country on one nation under God. And we're in prosperity, and we're in victory, and we're always winning. But I'm going to tell you something. Our victory doesn't come from George Washington. Our victory comes because this is one nation under God. And the further we get away from that, the more successful the enemy is going to be against us. Somebody shout amen. Are you hearing? Are you seeing anything in this? So they started off and Saul worshipped God, and David worshipped God, and Solomon worshipped God. But the further they got along, the more they forgot about God. It's almost like you can hear them saying, you know what, let's take in God we trust off our money. You can almost hear them saying, let's take down the Ten Commandments from our schools. The more it gets like the, 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 the last, the more it is like it was in the beginning. And so the further along they got, after Solomon, it became bad king after bad king. Bad prophets after bad prophets. But in the middle of that, God rose up prophets like Isaiah. And God rose up prophets like Jeremiah to say, don't forget where we came from. In Jeremiah 22... The king Conath was risen up, and he became one of the worst. Now, God had prophesied to David. He said, because of your love for me, he said, I will give you a covenant that always someone from your bloodline will be heir to the throne. But after they got further and further away, and there's too much to teach in this, Jeremiah gives a prophecy, and he says, because of this last king, A curse shall come upon all your descendants. No more will they see the prosperity of the Lord. No more will they sit on David's throne. Now here's what confuses a lot of people. In one voice, God says there will always be an heir to to David on the throne. And then in another voice, the same prophet says, But because of your wickedness... Because of your evil, because of you going away from me. He said, yes, you'll be an heir, but I will put a curse on every one of those heirs because they do not remember the Lord. Now they're in Babylon. Now they're in Babylon. They're in slavery. They don't have a king that's protecting them. They don't have a king that's providing for them. Now, they, 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 instead of trusting God, they began to trust the government. Now their enemy runs them. Now their enemy rules them. Now they're in Babylon. They're in trouble. And now that they're in trouble, they begin to cry out for God to help them. Does that sound like anybody you pastor? I mean, you know. When things are going good, we have a tendency to forget about God. When things are going well we have a tendency for tendency to forget that he is Jehovah Jireh he is Jehovah Jeshkenu he is Jehovah Mekadesh it doesn't happen overnight it's a slow thing listen america is the most blessed country financially in freedom in the world but it's not because of Washington DC it's because Washington DC was founded by men who said this nation will be one nation under God and if we forget about that what we take for granted we will lose can I have an amen you think America will always be this way that's what they thought in Babylon. That's what they thought in Tur- Rome. That's what they thought in the Turkish Empire. They said, we'll always rule the world. But the moment they forget, who, the moment we forget who made this country great, we're getting ready to go into Babylonian exile. So now they're in Babylon. And they begin to cry out. And they remember, now watch this, they remember the prophecies That when they got their heart right, God would send them a Messiah, now watch this, who would be both king and priest. It's not enough to have a king. Because without God, it doesn't work. We must have a king and a priest. And the prophecy was that when you had a king who was a king and a priest, then God would restore your nation and give you back your land. Now let me read to you from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1. This is the prophecy that they're, they're, they're praying about in Babylon. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. And while he was still shut up, the court of the prison saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, the Lord who established it, and the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Verse 6, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and will rebuild those places as the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, of praise, and honor before all the nations, all the Gentiles of the earth, Who shall hear all the good that I do to them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. Verse 14. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she shall be called the Lord of our righteousness. Now picture this. Israel, for hundreds and hundreds of years, have gotten further and further away from God. Back in when the, they came to the prophet and they said, we don't want to live by faith anymore. We don't want to trust God anymore. We want to live like the Gentiles. We want to be sleeping around. We want to be doing dope. We want to be we want to be making money. We want to be doing all those things and we don't want God to tell us what to do. Give us a king like the gentiles. We got to watch that we're not voting for a king that Hollywood wants that we're not voting for a president that the world wants, so we can live more and more and more ungodly and just abort babies and just do whatever we want and have same sex marriage and all those things. We're not battling with flesh and blood, but we got to realize we can repeat history. Give me an amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God said, God said, give them what they want. The curse began. Now, when they first got a king, they were still serving God. And then when they got David, they were still serving God. But the further they got away from the leaders telling them, Listen, the only reason I can lead you is because I'm praying and I'm seeking God and i got a prophet that's telling me what God to do. The further they got away, the ministers started getting corrupt. The preachers started getting corrupt. The, The government officials started getting corrupt until they forgot all about God and they were just doing it the world's way and the enemy came in and took them captive. But in this, a prophecy came, several prophecies, that there'll come a time when you get your heart right, that I will bring you a Messiah and he will give you victory and he will bring you prosperity and he will bring you success and he will bring you all these things. And so while they're in Babylon, they're looking at how it used to be. How when they worship God and they sang to the Lord and they served the Lord that the blessing of God was on the land. And they're saying oh how can we sing unto the Lord on the banks of the river in Babylon. And they begin to remember the prophecy and they said God send us a Messiah. The day you said the day would come when you'd make us no longer slaves and no longer captivity and no longer hungry. Bring us a Messiah. Messiah. Listen to Zechariah 2:12. Another prophecy thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold the man whose name is the branch will come from his place. He will come from his place and he shall branch out and he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall bear the glory of the Lord and it shall sit and rule he shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest On His throne and the council of peace shall be between them both They're waiting for a Messiah to bring them out of captivity They're calling out a Messiah to defeat their enemy, but they forget what Zachariah said They said yes. He'll be a king but more than being a king the one you need he will be a priest a high priest And that high priest will sit on the throne. And these two will become one. It won't be a manly king. And it won't be a manly priest. But it'll be a king that's the king of all kings. And it'll be the high priest of all high priests. And let me declare across the airwaves, his name is Jesus. So here they are on the day, the week before Passover. They're standing in the streets waiting for the high priest to bring them an unblemished lamb. And as they're waiting for a lamb, here comes Jesus Christ riding in on a donkey. Riding in on a borrowed donkey. And they feel in their spirit, here is our king. Here is our salvation, but confusion came on them. Hosanna, our salvation to the throne of David has come. But then they said, who is this man? And instead of saying, this is the Messiah, this is the King of kings, this is the Lord of lords, they said, who is this man? And there was a confusion. In one voice, they're saying, this is our Messiah. But on the other voice, they said, "Uh, he's a prophet from Nazareth. How could they be so confused? Because they forgot that because of their unrighteousness, because of moving away from God, before God would give them a a Messiah who would bring them victory and would cause them to reign and rule forever and ever, he would first have to bring them another Messiah. And this Messiah would not come as a king, but this Messiah would come as a servant in the teachings of Judaism it teaches that there will be first a suffering Messiah and he will come not as a king but he will come as a servant so in the teachings, the ancient teachings of Judaism they forgot they're waiting for a king Messiah that will defeat their enemy and cause them to walk in victory but they forgot That they needed a spiritual victory before they could have an earthly victory. And that would come from the first Messiah, whose name is Jesus. In Hebrew, this suffering Messiah, or the servant Messiah, he is called in Hebrew Mosheik ben Joseph, the Messiah from the family of Joseph. Listen to this teaching from a professor at the University, the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. When the death of the Messiah, became an established tenant in the talmudic times this was felt to be irreconcilable with the belief in the messiah as a redeemer who would usher in a blissful millennium of the messianic age now i'm going to finish it let me say what's he talking this is a professor at the hebrew university guys we are this close to the coming of jesus He said, we're going back and studying the ancient rabbinical teachings. And as they studied the prophecy of Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah, it became evident that we have been waiting for a king Messiah, but first has to come a suffering Messiah who would die for the sins we've committed. So as they're studying the word of God, these great Jewish scholars realize, listen, yeah, we need a Messiah who will defeat Rome. We need a Messiah who will defeat our enemy. But before they physically defeat our enemy, we have a Messiah, according to our scriptures, who will come as a servant and die for our sins. Listen to this. He goes on to say... This dilemma was solved by splitting the person of the Messiah in two. One would be called Moshiach ben Joseph, the Messiah from the family of Joseph, and the other would be called Mosiah ben David, the Messiah from the family of David. This Messiah from the family of David will come after the suffering Messiah. Some legends teach us that it'll actually bring him back to life and will lead Israel to the ultimate victory, the triumph and the messianic era of bliss on earth. They said, as we go back and we study the word of God, see, what most people don't understand is, remember what I taught about Rabbi Schneerson? He said, the Messiah is ready to come, but the fulfillment of scripture will be the Gentiles will come back to the word of God and it will, it, will, it will stimulate the Jews to come back to the Word of God. Most people don't understand is most Jewish men and women, our brothers in the Lord, are not taught to read the Old Testament. They read the book of uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They read the five books of Moses, which is the Torah. Why, don't they, why aren't they encouraged to read the rest? Because the rest shows... That the Messiah has already come and he came to die to forgive the sins not only of Israel but of the world. And we are letting people know that our Messiah did not come from Rome. Our Messiah came from Jerusalem and he is about (laughs) to come again. The first Messiah in Hebrew is called the Messiah of the family of Joseph. Why Joseph? If you remember, Joseph is the one whose father gave him the coat of many colors. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and pure light is made up of every color in the rainbow. Why is the first Messiah in Hebrew, in Judaism, the family of Joseph? Joseph was his father's beloved son. Behold my son in whom I'm well pleased. Joseph was despised by his brothers. Jesus was despised by his brothers in in Israel. Joseph, brothers betrayed him and sold him for silver coins. Jesus was betrayed by Judas and sold for a price. Joseph was falsely accused and put in prison. Jesus was falsely accused and put into prison. Joseph was in prison with two criminals. One died and one lived. Jesus died on the cross with a thief on his right who he said this day you'll be with me in paradise and that the the thief on the left who said if you're the Messiah save yourself and save us. Joseph was exalted to sit on the right hand of Pharaoh and given authority over all the land. When Jesus rose he went and sat on the right hand of God and all authority that my father has is given unto me. Joseph took a bride. We are the bride of Christ. Then after a time seven years of hard famine and hard tribulation hit the world when jesus comes and gets his bride there will be seven years of trials and tribulations joseph was forced to call joseph's brothers were first in the middle of this turmoil to go to 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 go to joseph and ask him for help when, when, after the seven years Zechariah says "They, those who they have pierced they will cry out to him and ask him for forgiveness. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers Jesus will reveal because he loves Israel as he loves us to all the world that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords Joseph's brothers begged him forgiveness and was reconciled to their brother with tears when they realized that Jesus is not a Christian God but jesus is the world's god that connects us to the god of abraham isaac and jacob there will be reconciliation with tears joseph saved his whole family and jesus will come though these days be shortened jesus will come and save the entire world the the messiah from the family of joseph somebody shout amen Isaiah 53 verse 4 The prophecy concerning the suffering Messiah Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted He was wounded for our transgressions Look at me, we hear this so often But nobody's taught us This is a prophecy to the Jewish people That I will not send you just a Messiah who will cause you to be prosperous and rule and reign and defeat your enemy. But I will first send you a Messiah who will reconcile you to God for you don't need a king of this world for I will be your king of all kings and I will be your high priest forever. Oh, somebody ought to shout amen he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquity the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we will be healed we are all like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was led as a lamb as the lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before it shears in silence he opened not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation he was cut off from the land of the living and the transgressions of my people he was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked and which the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity he has put him the grief when your soul his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper him in all his land he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied and by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many not a not a righteous king but first a righteous servant one who would suffer for he would bear the iniquities of the world look at 54 verse 7 for a mere moment I have forsaken you Israel but with great mercies I will gather you with a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you says the Lord your redeemer for this is like the waters of Noah to me for I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you for the mountains shall depart and the hills shall remove but my kindness not shall not depart from you nor my Covenant of peace be removed says the Lord of hosts. This is a prophecy that our Jewish brothers and sisters are relearning right now as we sit in this building. They've been waiting for a Messiah that would come and defeat Babylon. They've been waiting for a Messiah that would come and And defeat the Turkish Empire. They've been waiting for a Messiah, even in Jesus' day, that would come and defeat Rome. But God reminded them, before I bring you a king Messiah, I'm going to bring you a servant Messiah. But because it doesn't matter if you got all the wealth in the world, when you got the wealth from me, there's a wealth that brings no sorrow. When you're right with me, you can have it all through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. This is what confused them the day Jesus came riding in on a donkey. This is what confused them. They felt in their spirit, here's our Messiah. But instead of riding in on a white stallion, he came riding in on a donkey. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus in the River Jordan and he says baptize me John and John says no Lord you baptize me and he sees Jesus he says behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. But then John was waiting for that King Messiah also because later he sends someone and he says to Jesus John wants to know are you the one? Or do we look for another? He recognized him. But then all of a sudden he started thinking, this doesn't act like a king. This doesn't act like a general. This doesn't act like a winner. This acts like somebody who's bringing us nothing but good news and peace. And John even forgot for a moment, before we get a king, we got to have a savior. Listen to this. There's a book in Judaism that has deep teachings about the Messiah. Listen to what it says. There is in the Garden of Eden a place that is named the Palace of the Sons of Sickness. This palace is where the Messiah enters and he summons every pain and every chastisement on himself. All of these come to rest on Him, the Messiah, and had He not let them upon Himself, there is no one else in the world that could bear our chastisements, as it is written in our Word. Surely, our sickness has He has carried. Listen to an ancient prayer on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when they would sacrifice for sins. Listen to this prayer. Listen to this. Our righteous anointed One is departed from us. Horror has seized us, and we have none to justify us. He has borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgressions. He bears our sins on his shoulders, that he may find pardon for us for our sins. We shall be healed by his wounds. Folks, because of the division of Jew and Gentile. Many of these things have been hid for 2,000 years. And in these last days, it's coming back out. In these last days, Christians are realizing our Messiah did not come from Rome or from Springfield, Missouri or from anywhere else. Our Messiah came and will come again from Jerusalem. Jews are beginning to realize maybe we've missed something. Maybe we need to go back and look at our scriptures and our scriptures say, yes, there'll be a day that it'll come that your enemies will be defeated. But what's the greater victory is not that your worldly enemies are defeated, but your spiritual enemy has been defeated. You won't need a king of this world. You will have a king that is the king of all kings and that king comes from the throne room of God. Can I have an amen? Maimonides, M- one of the great great Jewish scholars, says, "On the first coming of the Messiah, the first Messiah, we'll know him by his signs and his wonders." The prophet Zechariah says these words in Zechariah 9: "Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation." He is lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. He shall speak peace to all the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea. And from the river, the river Jordan, to the ends of the earth. Listen to that prophecy again. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Your king is coming. He is just. He is bringing with him salvation. He will come lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea. And from the river Jordan to the ends of the earth. Let me read something here as as I close. This is out of Revelations. Now obviously what we're talking about is there are not two Messiahs. There's only one. His first coming, he didn't come as a king. Listen to me. The world never changes. We We want God to be our provider. Lord bless me Lord take care of me Lord prosper me He wants to be your king But more important He needs to be your priest What profit a man if he gains the whole world But loses his soul We have got to remember that Everything we have and thank God We live in America Thank God we're blessed But we've got to remember that it's not a government, and it's not Washington, D.C., and it's not the capital of Dallas, Fort Worth. It's nothing that man does. It is because we are still one nation under God. And the further we get away from that, the closer we are to the enemies who want to bring us into captivity. But God says in these last days, I will pour out my spirit. Jesus came the first time riding on a donkey. He came as a suffering Messiah. But the second coming, he's not coming on a donkey. Listen to this. Revelations 19, verse 11. And then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteous, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except him. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white, clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. Yes, it is the King of Kings, but it is also the Lord of Lords. The first Messiah came out of the family of Joseph the one who suffered so his family could be saved he came in on a donkey but the second he's coming from Moshiach ben David from the throne of King David are you ready for the coming of the Messiah his first coming he came as a king but he wore a crown of thorns his second coming He's coming as a king again. And this time, he'll wear the crown of righteousness. The question isn't, did he come? The question isn't, is he coming in our lifetime? Both those answers are absolutely yes. The question is, if he came today, would you go with him? I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and Christians are praying right now, Right there in your seat. Are you ready if Jesus came right now?